campaign. My name is Coach Rackwitz from Ricky Rudin Friends Puppet Shows, and I'm here on the People's Podcast with Brian. Welcome to episode 43 of the People Podcast. The star of this week's episode is Chris Rakowitz. Chris is the puppeteer behind the unique puppet show Ricky Rue and Friends. To give you a little backstory on this week's episode, I was driving through San Francisco recently when I saw a car next to me that was advertising the Ricky Rue and Friends puppet show. Now at the time, I didn't know anything about Chris or his puppet show, but after looking into it, I was very much intrigued and I wanted to know more. But nothing could have prepared me for the electric conversation I would have with Chris. He has lived an amazing life. A life that includes travel, teaching, puppets, and much, much more. But that's enough for me, so let's get to it and hear from this week's featured guest, Chris Rakowitz. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me on. It's a, it's an honor. Absolutely. Well, we were just chatting a little bit before this interview, Chris, and I want to hear the Chris Rakowitz backstory. Now, well, you're here in America, but you have European roots. You were born there and eventually made your way out here. Can you kind of give me the Chris Rakowitz origin story and how you ended up doing what you do? Sure, absolutely. I would love to. I would love to. So, yeah, I grew up in Austria. Um, you know, it's uh, called the sound of music country in America because that's what most people connect with it in America. So, yeah, I grew up in, in Austria and Europe and had um, a very non-puppeteer growing up at all. I had nothing to do with puppets before and uh, did a lot of other jobs and did lots of traveling in my life. And that's how I met my wife, Lisa. And in Bali, in uh, in Asia, and then uh, came to America with my firstborn child already after living in Austria with my wife together in 2013, and became a preschool teacher in um, in Albany in the East Bay, and just randomly picked up puppets during my time with the children at the school, and they loved it so much. And together with my silliness in my mind, it just was a good combination. I just just giggled and laughed and couldn't stop anymore having with my puppet shows that it just became a thing and since then it's just growing and growing and more and more kids have fun with my puppets. That is such an awesome story. Now going back to that first puppet you picked up, do you remember what the puppet was and what kind of performance you were doing with it? Oh my goodness. Uh, it was a box. It was literally an untouched box in a preschool because it, you know every preschool has some puppets laying around. I think it was some animal puppet, maybe was it a raccoon or a beaver or something. It was really, really random, and I just picked it up, put my hand in there, and then just started making silly voices with the kids, and they just started giggling. And then I basically built my own little puppet stage in the preschool, and then I incorporated in the curriculum of my uh, of my day of in the preschool and made kids play with me together in props. So we had a puppet show day every Thursday, and every week another child was able to play with me and just make up silly stories on the go. And I made them to be very like open, like public talking, and just grow confidence with my shows and create really fun for them. So one kid was picked to play with me, and the other kids laughed at us, like bonking into each other and making silly stories up. Wow. Well, it's funny how that all started for you. Now, you talked about you were a preschool teacher, and this is kind of how this all came about. But what's one thing you learned as a teacher that has helped you as a puppeteer? 
Well, the way how kids think, <laughs> I mean, that's the one thing. Uh, you're a kid, everybody's a kid once, but you kind of lose in touch with your inner child. But being a preschool teacher really brought me back like what kids like and how they think. And it's completely irrational. Like that makes the puppeteer really silly is if it's not possible. And if it's like just slapstick comedy of silly and, you know, the more they're bonking into each other, the funnier it is. So it's all just made up things sometimes, which they don't make any sense for adults. That's just kids love the most. And as a preschool teacher, there's no way around that. So I really learned that and appreciated a lot. And it kept growing my inner child, which made it really fun to be with kids and playing with them. I'm glad you said that because the inner child is something that I think about a lot. And I feel like as we get older, we just kind of shift away from our desire to play. Like we always do this as kids and kids can just have fun doing the simplest of things, even, you know, making up stories during a puppet show. So I love to hear you talk about that, Chris. You know, your puppet show is called Ricky Rue and Friends. So who is Ricky Rue and where did the idea for this character come from? Really funny story. Um, so Ricky Rue was born on a trip with friends. I had a birthday trip, my 39th birthday, uh, to like a really awesome spa place in the north, uh, north um, California. And we're just hanging out there together. And I just realized that there's a birthday party industry in California because it literally does not exist in Austria. Nobody in Austria and the parents invites other people to entertain your children at birthday parties. That's kind of like parents' job in Austria. But here, in, uh, especially in the Bay Area, people really want to give something special to their kids. So they invite somebody to really make their kids laugh and happy and give them a special time. And I didn't know about it first. And once I went with my uh, older child, to respect them, like five years old, to other kids' birthday parties of our friends, I saw this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. And I was like, I can do this, too. So I picked up the puppets and made it into a puppet show. And I talked with my friends about this. And one friend is actually like um, a puppet builder. And he was like, Chris, you just made a simple name, something that goes right off your tongue. He was like, you know, something like Ricky Rue. And I was like, you know what? That's the name. It's called Ricky Rue and Friends Puppet Shows. And that was the moment it was born. And yeah, and then it started from there on. Ricky Rue is a parrot bird. So Ricky Rue is a silly bird who is a little bit lazy and a little bit full of himself, but a really funny character and really sweet. And yeah, he's uh, the star of my puppet show. And he, with his friends, Ricky Rue and his puppet friends, make all the kids laugh. And uh, kids really adore and love him. Like, he's always at the end and at the beginning of the story there and kind of like gives the kids ease into the puppet show. And they just really love him. And the funny thing is, when even kids feel a little shy with him at the beginning of the show, when he introduces them after the puppet show, they all want to hug him and like kiss him and just be all over Ricky Rue because they just so like close him in their hearts. And it's just really amazing to see how kids like grow closer and just doing like 40 minutes of puppet show. Love to hear it. But what about Ricky Rue's friends? What's their story? Yeah. Ricky's friends, they are a bunch of, really interesting characters from like magicians to I mean they're kind of flexible characters because I, what I also do is I I personalize my puppet shows so I'm it's like almost like an improv comedy puppet show so I get information from my customers or from the audience like names of children or even like the parents or the camp counselors or the preschool teachers and then I incorporate them 
into the puppet show. So my puppets kind of change their name, but it also gives the audience a feeling like they are part of the puppet show. And it just makes kids so much happier when they see themselves being played as a puppet in their own show. And it's just really incredible, especially birthday children. Like there's always a birthday child as a puppet. And then it, um, I ask parents for little things with their children, what they like, what they dislike, if they do karate or something. And then I incorporate it in the puppet show. And it's just really, really a hit because people just love that. That's a very engaging personal touch. I'm sure the kids go crazy for that. <laughs> what about the actual plot yeah, of the, the script? Or I don't even know if you write a script, but in this performance, when you're doing about an hour, are you writing out stories and certain lines and jokes, or do you just kind of have a concept and you go with it? That, that's it, Brian. So I, I have, a, I have a, a structure in my mind, and the plot is always wrapped around like something that is related to you know the event and as like you know either it's a city event or a library event, library puppet show or a school puppet show. So it's either way a classroom setting or the birthday party setting. And then you know, for example, in the birthday party, there is a sneaky raccoon who is the bad guy, and he cannot resist to uh, you know grab the birthday cake from the birthday party and uh, takes it with him. And then the birthday child is just out there to save his birthday party and get the cake back. And it's always like a little plot in there where, you know, to keep the attention on. But at the end, the, the raccoon sees that it's not a good thing to take birthday cakes from other people and is brought and invited back to the party to be a friend of the birthday child and all celebrate together. And he learned his lesson to not take anything without asking. But it's mostly like very like improv made up stuff and even I incorporate things from the audience thrown at me, like when they say stuff to me during the puppet show, I even pick up that and make it into jokes and uh, incorporate it. That's good. You're quick on your feet and you're taking the audience feedback in real time to incorporate it. Uh, that's really cool. But uh, you've done a lot, Chris. And if you had to guesstimate, how many puppet shows do you think you've done in your life? Ooh, wow, that's a big question. So I was really fortunate to also do puppet shows during COVID because I turned it into virtual puppet shows from my workshop in the back of my house here in Oakland. So I was able to even do completely puppet shows during COVID. I guess it, it's now around 700 to 1,000, I guess, in the last four and a half years, not counting the one I did at preschool. So I did puppet shows at preschool weekly basis for like years, but the one, since I do Ricky Rune Friends, I would guess around 750 or 1,000, I guess. Wow, that is a lot of shows. Now, of those 750 to 1,000, is there a show or two that really stands out to you the most? Um, well, I had really amazing virtual ones. Uh, Santa Clara Library had a virtual puppet show with me together, and there was like uh, over 2,000 live people watching me online via like the YouTube live and zoom. And that was really incredible for me. That was like amazing. And, uh, you know, that was really feeding into the energy and had a lot of fun. And so recently had, a uh, my biggest crowd life and library in Sunnydale and, uh, Peninsula. It was like 300 life people in a park and they all had a great time and really loved it. And so I'm really feeding up the energy from my audience and the more people, the more fun it is really. And those were really outstanding ones. I loved a lot. I imagine the kids bring a lot of energy to these things because we talked about it. You know, kids are a lot of fun because they have so much imagination. They love to play. And I imagine after all these years, Chris, you've taught many different things to many different kids. But what's one thing that the kids you've worked with have taught you? 
lots of things. So I think the children teach you always more than you teach the children. Like, you know, preschool teachers are there to guide their way and to keep them in a safe environment and like kind of like be there for, I would call it the frame of a picture, but the real work inside is kids doing it with themselves and for themselves. But you can pick up a lot if you, if you look and listen to them and if you really see them, what they do and how they do it. And every question has so, so deep meaning always, even if it's a silly one. I mean, honestly, it's to forgive and just to really be in the moment. I mean, that's actually children that don't really know future or past, not really. They don't get the concept. And that's what we struggle with adults. We're always thinking about oh, what's going to be next week. And kids don't have that. They are in the moment. They are just there in the present with you right there. And if you go into that energy with them, you have an amazing moment and be really yourself truly. And that's like the most amazing thing I experienced. That's awesome, Chris. You know, you've done so many shows, but I know you're going to do a lot more shows in the future. So when you look ahead for Ricky Rue and friends and your puppeteer work, what's next on the horizon? Well, I, I'm very satisfied with what I have, and I'm really happy with what I do. Um, I do have dreams about going maybe on TV once. I do actually want to really bring my message out there and really want to connect with more kids. And I try to connect a little bit with uh, Netflix and other platforms, and I think there's something waiting out there for me. I don't know why. I don't know when. But I think the day will come where the right person will just see my show, and we're like, oh, my gosh, this is really incredible. And the way he connects with children is, very different and really um, good. And so I think somebody will just come and be like, hey, do you want to do something this or this special? And I'm ready for it. And I think it's going to happen someday. I really hope for I was once invited to Saudi Arabia to do puppet shows there for like a special international event. And it didn't work out at the end because of timing and everything. But it was a really special thing to be recognized like internationally and see even the requests. And so I would love to be on TV or have a show with kids and with puppets. You know, I really loved um, the show, uh, Daniel Tiger. What was that that person's name? I forgot it now. There was a TV show about it to a movie with Tom Hanks in it. Mr. Rogers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Mr. Okay. Rogers. Gotcha, so yeah. That's some people refer that to me. <laughs> some people say, oh my gosh, you're like the new Mr. Rogers because just the way how you understand children and how you make them feel good and connect with them so uh, you know I, I thought myself like a new version of Mr. Rogers in a new way like you know 21st century would be awesome we'll see I don't know I'm I let myself surprise the life well I would say the future is promising for you Chris you have quite the personality your show has everything that like a Netflix series or something like that would be looking for so I'm really rooting for you there I love that your goals are so high um, I, I have a couple more questions for you, Chris. One, just on a human interest level. Sure. You know, you were born in Europe and you've traveled all over the world. You met your wife abroad and now you're a puppeteer in America. Uh, I, I believe you mentioned, you know, you're, you're in your 40s now. But when you look back at a life well lived, what are some of your favorite experiences? Any kind of advice that you can impart on younger people? Well, you know, I mean, I think I'm just here and I do what I do because I live through what I live through. And um, I had really interesting experiences. Like I used to be a dive master in Thailand and was basically a guide for people to go on the water and scuba dive on a lonely, nice island in Koh Tao in Thailand. And it was an amazing experience just to live abroad and really live. I mean, it's, it's, very, priv- like, it's very privileged and amazing to experience that because a lot of people can't. 
But if you have a chance to go abroad and live somewhere else and not just traveling for a week or two, like if you have a chance to really live in a country that is outside of where you grew up, it teaches you a lot. Like it's just, you are so pushed your own boundaries and your own um, comfort zone that you understand why different things work in a different way and you automatically get more, um, you know, open to new things. You cannot be close and live in a different country you already didn't grow up. That is basically impossible, in my opinion. And I was also living in Bolivia for four months and was volunteering to help street children who were living on the streets and managing their own life. And I was there a little bit for them and was trying to, first of all, make a sense of myself of what's going on there, but also comfort them with some, you know, what we gave them the basic needs for food and housing and stuff. And also seeing that was really life changing for me too, because like the level of appreciation you have after you experience something, not just looking at that, but more like being with children or even talking to people who really don't have that much will never, will never be the same person again ever, which you came there before. And so I would say those are the two things which taught me the most in my life. And was really, so my, uh, my advice is to young people, if you have a chance, if you have the resources, try to spend several weeks or months or volunteering or working even in another country than where you grew up in, because it will, you will never be the same person coming back. And it's, from my opinion, it's always going to be more positive because it forces you to be open. That is incredible advice, Chris. I really appreciate you sharing all that. Now, I feel very similar myself. I just have kind of like an explorer. Like I feel like I have the heart of an explorer, and I love to travel and gain new viewpoints, push myself out of my comfort zone. Do you feel like you've always been that way, or was there something that kind of prompted you to leave Europe and travel around and explore? Well, I, I was growing up with, um, you know, traveling a little bit. My dad was really into traveling and he started early traveling and he had this really urge of just going out there. And when we were even young, my dad was never working in a foreign country, but he always traveled like Brazil. He was a filmmaker, a little like a private hobby filmmaker. And he traveled to Nepal and, you know, hiked um, around the Himalayas not on top anywhere, but, you know, he really was there and did a lot of traveling. And so he was always exposed to, to that feeling of like being somewhere else. And, you know, what he told me about it. So as soon as I, um, you know, picked up and went to Thailand first time of my life alone with like on a regular travel, um, I saw people doing different traveling and I decided on the spot in Thailand on an Island where I just need my first dive master class. I'm going to stay here and live here for a while. And I came back and told my family, I'm going to move to Thailand. And I think it took me five weeks to get my, where my flat, my car, a couple of stuff, put everything in a box in my parents' house, took the rest and moved to Thailand and lived there for a couple of months. And yeah, that's how it started. And then I met people traveling, backpacking, like literally being on the road on a crappy bus with chickens and fish with you sitting right next to you. And traveling through Laos and Cambodia and Thailand and Vietnam, and it was the best times of my life. I mean, I cannot tell you how many beautiful moments I had and sunsets and waterfalls and general experiences. I almost died a couple of times, but that's on the road. <laughs> if you expose yourself, that's what it's there, but it always worked out, and I'm still here. <laughs> 
I got to say, Chris, I'm so inspired just by hearing you say all this. I, I want to like sell everything in my room and just go travel next week. Like that's the kind of vibe I'm getting now. I just want to get out there. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in a way, there is a possibility for everything out there. It is not easy to come back again. I do want to say you have a uh, culture shock no matter where. You have a culture shock when you go there and you have a culture shock when you go back. Like it takes several weeks to months to readjust if you've been too long and it's really hard. Like your world is not the same anymore when you come back. And uh, that's the hard part. But the beautiful part is that the new you is growing out of that. And it's just better than before. I think so. Like it's just, yeah, amazing. And it takes some guts to do it, but if you do it, then it once, it's almost like you cannot really stop. And I can't wait until my kids are old enough to uh, bring them to India, to places I've already been or new places and, uh, you know, teach them to do the same thing I did. Can't wait for that. Last one on your travels. You've been so many places, but where do you think you've had the best food? Thailand is one of the best food places in the world. Like it's just, it's not just good here somewhere in the world. Like if you go to Thailand and eat there and also just like, Literally, if you sit on a Thai island on the beach and they serve you Thai food, it's just, you can't compare that one. That's one of the best places I've ever eaten is Thailand. So my two favorite foods are Indian food. I traveled three times in India. And Indian food and Thai food are my my most favorite foods in the world. They're just, they're just flavor explosions in you. And uh, I had restaurants that went three days in a row. Dinners there and eat the same meal in India because it was so good. I could not stop eating. It's just amazing. That is so fun, Chris. I'm definitely going to be thinking of you on my next excursion and uh, going to be eating a lot of good food because I love Thai food and I love Indian food, but I imagine actually having the food in their country is a lot different than out here. So I'm inspired and I really appreciate all your tales. Um, I got to say, Chris, thank you so much for joining the show. I loved hearing about your story. Your story is what this podcast is all about. So really thank you. And uh, I would love to meet up sometime so I can meet you and Ricky Rue in person. Yeah, you're invited anytime to any of my puppet shows. I have a couple of library puppet shows coming up. They're already public anyway, but you're welcome anytime. You're welcome anytime. Uh, just let me know when, and I'll give you a time, and we can meet up, and you can uh, be there and uh, experience it in person. I would love to meet you in person. What a lovely, lovely conversation with Chris. I gotta say, I'm pretty jealous of how many places he's traveled to and lived in, but as a fellow explorer, I am very inspired to see more of the world. Chris is a really unique individual, and his puppet shows are beyond entertaining. If you listen to this episode and now you're thinking, hey, I gotta book Chris for an upcoming event, well, I got great news for you because Chris has generously donated a $100 coupon for one lucky listener. So if you're interested, listen up. All you gotta do is follow Chris on Instagram at Ricky Rue and friends, and then message him with the word giveaway for a chance to win. To make things easier for you, I put a link to his Instagram account in the episode description. But that wraps up episode 43 of the People Podcast. Be sure to enter our giveaway and check back next week for our next episode.